Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. Let's welcome our A-team guest, Basil Manuel, Executive Director for the National Professional Teachers Organization of South Africa, NAPTOSA. Basil, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Good evening, Patricia. Thanks for having me, and good evening to your listeners as well. We are touching base on a very um, sensitive um, issue that has uh, ripped, I think, the entire country. So many lives have been lost, uh, so many properties have been damaged, and I'm very passionate about education, and it seems that uh, schools are being have been destroyed uh, through these rains, and some schools um, would need so much money before they can uh, you know, get back on track. Tell us what your observation has been on the ground, because I understand that as Noptosa, you've been in KZN, and you've uh, been assessing the situation. Yes, thanks, Patricia. Patricia, at first, let me sympathize with the province and the people, the many, many people who've lost loved ones, especially children. You know, we the, by now, the count is 57 learners, school-going children that have been lost, that have passed on, and that is in itself a huge tragedy. Um, our KZN office has been very busy, uh, trudging around, trying to find out what the quantum of the damage is and how we can get back to learning. Um, let me first start there. The importance of getting back is not only for the process of learning, but we also need to take children out of that bad situation, get them back into school, try and give them support, try and give them some normality, and also give them food, of course, mm. because we have feeding schemes in the school. Now, that's on the one level. On the other level, we, we are assessing so that we can feed into the assessment that the uh, DBE is doing, that the Department of Education in KZN is doing. And it's not a good story that we're telling. First of all, we are sitting with about 650 schools by count today that have been affected in some way or the other. That does not uh, include the schools that were not damaged but are now being used as shelters. Remember, some in some places, the only good building that was still standing was a school. Now, the choice is, do you throw the people out to let school resume, or do you wait with schooling until we can get some shelters up, alternative shelters? It's difficult choices. And mm. so there are a number of those schools as well. But tragically, Patricia, um, we come back to the storms we had in December and, of course, the, um, the unrest we had in July. Some of those schools still haven't been repaired. Add to that this damage, and you're looking at a huge number. We are, are close to 700 schools that now need serious attention. It's, it's devastating. It's tragic. And I, I am of the understanding that, uh, you know, uh, government departments and officials and um, organizations such as yourself are, are, are trying your best. I spoke to a Satu spokesperson in the beginning of the week, uh, Namarashi Atalusa, and I, I could not get a sense of what exactly is being done on the ground. I understand there's a lot of mayhem due to this condition, but what exactly is being done on the ground? And I'm hoping that you'd be able to answer that for us. 
let me try. Um, at first, Patricia, let's also acknowledge that on Tuesday when schools got back, many schools that seemed unaffected opened the buildings to discover ceilings had collapsed, etc. That has not been quantified yet. So the, the aim now is to get schools into a condition where they are habitable. So we have teams from public works. We have teams from private organizations that are starting not with the worst schools because the worst damaged schools are also in areas that are impossible, where it is very difficult. So the first is to make schools that can be quickly repaired, get them repaired. That's the first point. The second is to assess whether we can move children from those schools that just can't be repaired, that we move them to closer schools. Now, that in itself is a major undertaking because you are now creating an overcrowding situation. We know that. It's also one where you are creating a shortage of resources. And however, in the short term, that is one of the things to be done. Then the third point that was made, and the minister made this point as well, is to try and see what community centers there are where we can actually house children for classes. But here's where the tussle comes in. Many of these centers are themselves being used as shelters to house those that are without shelter currently. So we're chasing our tail a little, um, and we are hoping that by starting with the not-so-bad and moving to, to the areas as roads become a little more possible, as the digging stops, because remember there there's still uh, rescues taking place, but more, uh, the search for bodies. And that is a disruptive exercise in itself. So we are running around with many, many things. Our biggest issue when Aptoza has been involved is to try and get water to schools, which is a very difficult one, to also try and assist with uh, food items. And that, too, is difficult. However, uh, where we can, we've tried to do that. So it, it, when you get going to a school, you see a community that is themselves thirsty, and you end up starting to hand out where you first come to. And um, so let me acknowledge thousands of good people. There are many more good people than we, we want to give credit to. Uh, and we, we sometimes so caught up in the negative that we don't acknowledge the good people. There are many people doing good things. But, Patricia, it's a huge task. So if I haven't sketched fully, it is simply because I don't have a full picture yet. As we go day by day, the picture will become clearer. But there is a lot of commitment. There is a lot of activity, but we want to see us starting to tick off on a sheet and say, school number one is done, number two is done, we've done 20 for the week. Mm. Then we are making progress. So right now, that uh, particular sheet, how, how many have we ticked off? What have we ticked off? No, we are mm. cleaning up at the moment. So now, right now on the sheet, it's clean up mode and, and bring dignity to students and teachers who have been affected. You know, Patricia, and let, let me tell you a little story quickly, if I may, about how simple things can be extremely difficult. When we sent out our survey, one of the principals answered and said, look, I only have a few uh, 
rooms where the ceilings have collapsed, we've cleared up. But my biggest problem is that the grounds are completely waterlogged, and I have about uh, a ruler's depth of water on the grounds. Now, the immediate thought was, that's a small problem to contend with. But it's a primary school, and the children are splashing around in the water because they're children. Yeah. And it creates another problem. You're worried about sickness, you're worried about all sorts of things. And what could be in that mud that you're splashing around in? So even the simple problems are bigger than we think. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I hear you, Basil. Now, you know, my concern is always for the, the students who are not going to be able to go to school due to their schools being so badly damaged uh, and not being um, having homes in, in some areas. What's going to happen to these students? Is there a plan on the ground um, to help them catch up? I mean, I'm concerned for all grades, but the, the major grades are obviously um, those who are about to transition out of primary school into high school, uh, so grade 7 into grade 8, and those who are in um, the senior phase, so grade 10, 11, and 12. Patricia, we've given ourselves until Friday to have the full assessment about which grades we could, sorry, which schools we could use to ensure that the exit grades are catered for. Now, within that, uh, please don't forget that there are children that don't have a single book anymore. When your house was washing away, you weren't thinking of grabbing books. You were thinking of saving your life, the life of a brother, a sister, a granny, and so on. So there are children with nothing. And going back to school is in itself a challenge. There are schools where books have been completely destroyed. We haven't yet evaluated that. And we are saying that by Friday, we should have a good sense as to how many matriculants are not able to return to school. Where can we house them as a priority? How many grade sevens need to be housed as a priority? How do we deal with the others? And I've already mentioned um, the minister's plan of ensuring that uh, pupils get to other schools, etc., where it is possible. But when you're talking about schools in more rural areas, uh, even that is a tall order because they are so far away from where their parents would be. And then transport is a challenge because with more than 1,300 roads seriously destroyed, can you see how what a major challenge movement is? Most definitely. But Patricia, mm. our people are resilient. Within all this, even those that are so badly affected, people who have lost more than more than one or two uh, members of the family, are digging in. They're helping. They're smiling. We went to a hall today uh, where where water was being distributed, and and the people were were talking and they were laughing. They were crying. They were sad, but they were still getting up to face the morning. Now, that is what is resilient. But we are worried about the psychological impact this has had on many children. Uh, children still hoping and praying that a mother is going to return. And these are the type of things that we have to deal with before Monday dawns again on us. Mm. 
It's a harsh reality, really a harsh reality, very, very painful. And I'm glad you were able to paint the picture of what's currently going on and what the priorities are. The cleanup, then uh, trying to salvage what can be salvaged, and then also in, 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 in the same vein, uh, putting together all the resources to make sure that all the children are able to access education. It, it, it's a sad reality, but we do hope that um, your organization alongside uh, education department and other organizations and, and people on the ground are going to be able to get this one um, moving very quickly uh, because we don't want any child left behind. Already those in lower quintile schools, Basil, are, 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 are learning or were learning at least with less resources, less access to information and already on the back foot and we don't want that to continue. And all I can see is that this particular um, natural disaster has clearly showed that we've got such deep perforations of inequality. Patricia, absolutely. And you know, we are doing such a small bit. Uh, it's, uh, you think you're doing a lot, but uh, when you assess at the end of the day, you ask what difference did I make? But we are making a difference. And so many thousands of other people are making a difference. And I want to encourage people. Uh, money is needed. Yes, there's distrust, etc. Find the right organization then. And even if it's as little as 50 rand, if a thousand people donate 50 rand, it's 50,000 rand. And just imagine how much that could help. Please, let's stand up and help our our countrymen, people that have been through so much in in the last calendar year. One can hardly believe that one province could have had so much devastation in under a year. Mm, that's very true. Here's a sad uh, message uh, that we are getting from um, an A-team, uh, Uncle Bobby uh, Bodwell Cade who says, I happen to be a teacher in Newcastle, Northern KZN. I have two brilliant grade six learners that haven't been able to attend school since the onset of these downpours because they can't cross the flooded bridge to school. It's been close to a fortnight now. Very sad. And this yeah. is the reality on the ground. Absolutely. And, you know, Patricia, we know that there have always been these low-lying bridges. Now, of course, they've become death traps, and we don't want children to cross. So our principals are reporting things like this. Uh, we don't have full attendance. We have 60, 70 children not here. We don't know if they are simply shouting because they can't get to school, if something has happened to them, if they are missing. So there are all these questions being asked. And, of course, the trauma that teachers, children in the main are going through because they're seeing an empty desk and they still don't know what's happening. So there's a lot of that going around. We're calling for calm and we want to thank our, our, our teachers and our government bodies for standing up and ensuring that we bring some form of normality to uh, a number of our schools. Many schools are functional and those functional schools are themselves donating things like writing books like uh, uh, stationery and so on. And we want to thank them too. It shows you how people who have a little themselves can still find generosity within themselves to help others less fortunate. Basil, let's hope that uh, this is going to uh, you know, yield some good results uh, for all our students and condolences to all the students and uh, 
families and teachers who have lost loved ones due to these floods and lost property. But I think in hands like yours, I feel more comforted that our education is still going to continue for our students. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Patricia, and good night to you and the listeners.